Imperial Knights, I feel I feel somewhat justified by our comments being it's in that very weird position where you can't really pray, but you can't really put forward and yeah, it just didn't really So, hello! We are live with our first episode of bi-weekly series of Enter the Matrix. What we will be doing here is what you are listening to regularly, but after our cooperation with Nathan at WTC and before WTC, we decided to do this together and actually talk about WTC and all other team events that are happening on a monthly basis because I think after this WTC, we'll see way more team events or at least way more players being inclined to attend team events and they will probably want to know more about teams. Sure. So in that sense, uh, I want to welcome Nathan because Nathan, you are the new part of the Statue crew. We already grew to eight people. And how are you doing, man? I am absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much for having me here. And I'm... Uh... Very excited to uh, be able to do some things in the future with this platform. So you've been talking to me about after WTC, you already had that itch to still play 40K. You are already trying to attend some singles events, but how are you feeling after the event? Has the high already subsided and you are feeling like a human being again? Because for me, it was like four or five days before I actually started feeling like it ended, it need, I needed some time. Yeah, I had, I basically burnt up a month's worth of extrovert in five days. So I had to spend three days on a sofa just catching up on like YouTube content and just anything else and avoiding all the people. I was ill anyway because you get gamer flu every time you go to these events. Oh. There's 500 people from everything around the world. Sorry, every country around the world coming, somebody's got something. Uh, and I, I'm a hugger, yeah. so unfortunately, I'm going to grab something. Um, so, uh, thankfully, it wasn't COVID, I don't think, but uh, I tested a couple of times. But yeah, afterwards, I feel fine now. I think I'm, I'm back to myself now. Although, I yeah, like I, to say, I have that itch. I want to play. I want to play games. I <laughs> have that as well, but not for singles. Though. So, I'm waiting for my first team events, like... You were thinking about playing singles with your nits, right? And then you think about playing Eldari and it's like... Yeah, I have two events in the next two weekends uh, and then we're going to rock Sean Naden's list because like in the Enter the Matrix before the WTC, I was like, uh, I don't really see the point of it. And I'm like, okay, now I see the point of it. It's great. I like it. I don't have to move a whole lot of models. Uh, if it's Eldar, we get to go to the bar early. If it's nights, it's difficult, but I think it actually plays into the rest of the meta. Just in the UK, there's one list that just seems to be everywhere right now. Unfortunately. Yeah. You mean nights or Eldar? No, it's Eldar and it's a specific Eldar list. And everyone's using okay. it now. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, if you if anyone was listening to the episode that the guys recorded yesterday, you already know that there's what? Eldar currently have forty-eight 
win percentage when it comes to winning events. Yeah. They won 48% of events. So, and they are like, I think they have higher win percentage than some armies have their games win percentage, which is absolutely nuts. Yeah. So th that one is just beyond my comprehension. So I think, I hope that GW makes something around it and fixes it. And at least LGT will be a breath of fresh air because what we are hearing is that two weeks before LGT, there should be the balance patch. So hopefully LGT will again cause a little bit of new ideas to come through. Yeah. Unless the new mid codex comes out and it's busted. But uh, we'll have to just see whenever that's coming out. Crusher Stampede is coming in again. Come on, come on. I want my arm to bro be broken for a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but what we wanted to talk about this episode is more about the WTC itself and like stats from the WTC. There is a lot of information that you can gather from the BCP alone. And we are happy enough to have some of the data being given to us by the BCP so we can analyze it and give you some insights how it worked. So what we plan to do is not only go through those statistics and then afterwards go through some more in-depth analysis of specific lists or how they performed and what surprised us the most. Because I think there were quite a few surprises throughout the event that we were at the end of the day like, oh, we didn't see that one coming. Or that one was a surprise. Or that list overperformed what we expected it to do. So we want to go through some of those armies. And then there's plenty of questions from people that were asking about some certain team comp questions where some ideas were better or worse, how certain armies performed at the event. So we'll get into those questions as well. And there will be some questions from the live viewers. We'll also tackle those. But when it comes to the event itself, you might imagine that the highest win percentage army out of the whole event would be Eldari, obviously. But there's one guy. One guy that managed to be better. So at the top of the win rate percentage of all the factions, although with a sample of one player, is Blood Angels. Mm. And that's Spanish Blood Angels. That player played seven games, won six of them, lost one of them, giving him win rate of 85.7% and average score of 15.29, which means that those wins were like nearly 20s with him losing one game also, which is absolutely mind-boggling. And I think at this point, we can even directly go into that list because I think this is a very interesting analysis before we go into the rest of the stats of other armies because this one is a, such a outlier that it's very hard to even comprehend it. Do you have the list at hand or should I talk I about do. it? I do. I've got it in front of me. Uh, so yeah, Alejandro, his list, do you want me to go through it quickly? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah. So, Lamartes, uh, Primaris Apothecary, sorry, the formatting on the list is pretty bad, so it'll be a little bit slow, uh, one Impulsor, 10 Death Company with Jump Packs, 
with 10 Inferno Pistols and 10 Power Fists. Uh, five Death Company Marines with Jump Packs, five Inferno Pistols, five Power Fists. 10 Desolation Marines with a Venga Launcher as usual. Uh, da, 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 da. What else have we got? Uh, a five man Hellblaster squad, a three man Inceptor squad, another three man Inceptor squad, five infiltrators, five infiltrators, five scouts. Might have another infiltrator. One, two, two infiltrator squads. One scout squad, one thunderfire, one whirlwind, and a second whirlwind. So I butchered that. It's just it's massively cluttered up on the page. Yeah, and that one is just mind-boggling to me because when we go into his scores, yeah, this list doesn't seem like much on the paper, right? But what they actually had in mind when you went throughout the event and saw their pairings, that list was designed to counter necrons and custodies. Mm. which I still cannot comprehend how I would <laughs> gladly watch the game that was played against Polish Custodies in round 6 mm. where our player already knew that this list is designed to kill Custodies but Alejandro managed to get 11 points against Necrons 20 GSC lose 13-7 to Vic on his Thousand Sons then 16-4 against Eldari. And that's out of pod. So that's the first game out of pod. I didn't remember who they played. But it's with it's certainly not anyone. So that score is still mind-boggling. They then they 20 out custodies. 13-7 custodies. And in last round, they 20 out Necrons. Hmm. Which is yeah. not, I cannot actually comprehend it. So I think this is a great shout out to the player skilled himself because he didn't play easy matchups. He played what top five armies of the game only? Yeah, basically, yeah. He didn't have any, like sometimes you might see a score where it gets a little bit padded, where in a, say, a group stage, you play let's call them a weaker nation and you play a very weak list and say, for example, so they get 95 points total, but if they get 60 of that in the pod phase, it's actually, you then got like 35 points in four games, which is still good. It's still a decently average score, but you can see it maybe get a bit weighted, but I think he actually almost got as many points, if not more in his, uh, Swiss rounds than on average he did in his pod rounds. And yeah, he Which played is... Custards, he played Necrons, he played Vix with a Thousand Sons. Um, yeah, he had no easy games. And unless I'm... Obviously, I don't know the list backwards. Obviously, I know he's a fantastic player. Vic had nothing but fantastic things to say about him. Said he was one of the better players he played at the event. But... Yeah, when you look at it on paper, okay, it's got some... It looks like a well-balanced marine list. It's got a bit of counter-assault. It's got some tech pieces like Thunderfires. got some interesting things like Whirlwinds. Obviously, Indirect is very useful at the moment. Scout squads, Inceptors to go and get cards and points. 
some Hellblaster squads, obviously most of this are Desolation Marines. But then again, you'd look at He doesn't Marines have the Phobos Librarian, for example, to join the no. Infiltrators, and he still won 20 against GSC. Yeah, yeah. Which is two basically naked Infiltrator squads. Um, yeah. Uh, super, super, super impressive. Especially the Custod wins. Because I imagine, had your Polish Custo player, because that was what, 13-7, was it? Yeah. And he, he knew that... Yeah. Exactly. If he, if he knew that that was somewhat designed to beat Custodes, and he thought, oh, actually, this is Marines, it's Blood Angels. It's got minimal shooting, and it doesn't have the, say, like, wound on 2+, that Death Watch has, etc. Then it's like, oh, okay, well, I can just run at this, and it doesn't do anything to me. And his death is... Is uh, death company. I get to hit first in combat. This should be an easy fifteen five yeah, win to exactly. me. And I think it's only because he knew that person previously got twenty nil that he maybe didn't try and push the yeah. game as hard. The first guy seven. fucked around and fouled out. Yeah. So <laughs> so our guy was like, I know Pumba knew and the, our team already knew that the guy won 20 against Custodies and that was their plan during the pairings to pin Custodies with that list. Mm. So Victor was told to play defensively, specifically yeah. in this matchup. But yeah, still, mind-boggling. Kudos to Alejandro. I know you said that Vic had very high praise of him and that yeah. the guy was really good. Yeah. So... That's something that we were also talking about before the event. I think people might be sleeping on Spain. They have really good players. They just are unknown to the English sphere of the media. Mm. So, and I think they've proven this quite well this year with their scores and being a really tough team for some other teams. Well, again, the only team that beat them was you guys. The only team yeah. that beat them was first place. They drew... They were just maybe on some of the lower ends of some of the draws. But again, three wins, three draws, one loss. Yeah, they were really difficult to put away this year. Very, very good team. I could see them easily potentially going for podiums in future years. Yeah. Definitely being a top five team. Because they were there, they were basically there last year as well. They just played England in the last round and it was like 92. 68. Yeah, and last round losing suddenly drops you like five spots. Oh, it's terrific, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's rough. But going back to the stats, uh, I think Blood Angels being the highest win rate army and highest average score army. And I think for WTC, we shouldn't focus as much about win rate. Mm -hmm. I think it's way more about the average scores, actually, because some of the armies that we'll be touching upon even if they will have lower average scores, it makes sense that they had those scores because they had a role within the team. The second spot, I don't think anyone will be surprised, it's Eldari with 81.6%, which is not surprising. I think that's something that we expected from Eldari after all of this event. We yeah. saw them as being an army that will be very protected in the pairings overall. Because you need to make sure that your Eldari get the good matchup and smash out while the opposing Eldari gets blunted somehow. And I yeah. saw many teams had that approach. I think you guys also had that approach pretty much with money 
when I was looking at your pairings. I think you, the pairings looked like you guys were trying to protect money, get his worst pairings out, and just proceed to get high scores. And I saw a lot of teams do that with their Eldar, just trying to dodge matchups that can go slightly off tangent with like GSC or even Guard. I think Guard even can go quite bad if Guard goes first. So there's like few matchups that people try to avoid. I don't think I saw many Eldar play Castodis. Castodis were quite an early defender and then Eldar just feel like a waste into that matchup on yeah, Castodis' so table. It's an interesting one because actually I think towards the latter rounds, Manny was used. If you could, if you could engineer your Eldar to beat a top list in another team, that is a potentially good advantageous position to be in. So Manny ended up playing John Legend, John Legend, John Lennon. Um, I managed to get a 13-7 there. So that was actually, while the Elder didn't get a huge win, that's a big boost for the team because their custom, yeah. very good player on a very good list, didn't score as high. Uh, and then again against, say, Poland, Manny's prediction for that Dark Angels game because he gets to pick the table was like 13-14. It was only because of one kind of small um, thing he could capitalise on. It's, it turned into 17 because he was able to shoot that aggressor squad. Because otherwise, he basically he does have to sit off because he doesn't want to just like get a Wraith Knight drop to an aggressor squad. But again, that's details. Um, yeah, most people's Eldar just... Keep them away from anything that's going to drop their score and just go and smash face. Uh, but I think what's most interesting about the stats that we're looking at is of all the others, I know every nation took one, but they have in their column 187 wins at the event. And it's worth mentioning all the data that we are not talking about is excluding mirrors. Oh, is it? Right, okay. Yeah. So when you look at say Blood Angels, it's obviously six wins, one loss, or say yeah, there's there's not many lists that are getting close to two hundred wins at an event ever in the history of WTC, I don't think. No. No. Like I've been playing. I think this is unprecedented lack of balance when it comes to, with an army. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> yeah, but let's not get too deep into that. Hmm. Spot number three when it comes to win rates. That's Dark Angels, Ooh. only represented by three countries, by the way, Poland, Scotland, and Germany, uh, all three of them within top 12. Uh, so that army got 61.9 win ratio and average score, which is a huge drop off from the two that we mentioned previously. The average score is 11.48, which is still quite good, but it is a drop, significant drop from the previous ones. Maybe you want to talk a little bit about Dark Angels from your point of view. So I think for Dark Angels, it was an, it was an interesting one because it was kind of a mix of, on paper, the, the Death Watch seemed more straightforward for what they were capable of doing for a team, which is why most teams took Death Watch. I think Dark Angels was if you were able to see the list earlier and get the reps on it, which is why you saw very good players on the teams that did take them, 
you could see the potential of getting them out. So one thing that was quite interesting before the event is when we, when me and you were talking, actually, was you said, oh, Dark Angels beats GSC. And I kind of, I kind of asked that question in our Team England chat. I was like, oh, Dark Angels versus GSC. Is that, what, what do we have that on the Matrix? And we had it as GSC beats Dark Angels. And I was like, hmm, that's interesting. Somebody's not played enough Dark Angels games or taken XYZ version of the list. But yeah, they've all... So the average score was, what, 11.48. So predominantly, even though it's got a great win percentage, the actual score is lower than, say, the previous two, which were closer to the 15 mark. Uh but yeah, I think the Dark Angels actually proved to be the smarter choice in the end over, say, Death Watch, which was the far more common option. Because actually, I think a lot of people, when something's maybe a bit too obvious, like Custodes, like GSC, like Eldar, obviously Eldar you can't necessarily, but people will know to tech into these armies. Yeah, yeah with the Dark Angels, and... it's a lot harder to tech into them. And there was one question now that we are talking about Dark Angels and Death Watch. I think we can delve into it a little bit more. A lot of people, when I ask for questions before the show, were asking what is our opinion on Death Watch, why we think it's worse, and why Dark Angels were better at the event. And I think we can get a little bit deeper into that. So with Death Watch, if you look at, say, top three from this event, into Poland, what Death Watch was good? Into GSC? Crickets? Again, <laughs> it was, yeah. It, it was, was okay into Tau, but Drosh, it gets obliterated by Guard. It gets obliterated by T-Sons. It loses the, to CSM, which we didn't bring, but like in general, USA brought one, you guys brought one. CSM are good into Death Watch. Mm -hmm. Then you have what? Nits. Big monster nits. Death Watch doesn't have answers for that because it doesn't have enough damage to kill those big nits, which Sean Naden proved once playing against Nassim, right? Mm -hmm. So you go deeper and deeper what you got there. Eldar. Death Watch cannot really play into Eldar. And I think the discrepancy and how people perceive this army and its performance is because when you look at the singles data, you look not only against top eight armies, you look against the data amongst the whole game where you where Deathwatch will be very good into lesser armies, but will struggle massively against top armies. Like even Imperial Knights and Custodies also should win against Deathwatch on average. So there's so many armies that will just prey on Deathwatch, and the biggest advantage Deathwatch has is that it has plenty of tricks. And if opponent doesn't know that you can extend your range by six inches, that you can teleport here, that you can double off in this situation, that you can do advance and charge with that one squad, etc., etc., suddenly you can exploit that one mistake and, say, teleport 10 desos and kill something for free, which opponent didn't account for. But when you start playing top players, Suddenly, they know about all of those tricks, and army that basically relies on those tricks stops performing. That's my point of view. 
do you have anything else to add? Yeah, so I think it would be wrong to say that taking Death Watch was a mistake. I don't think that's necessarily not that not, not, not that that's what you said, but because most of the top ten teams still took Death Watch. Uh, yeah, because yeah, what second, third, no. Yeah. In top 10, except Germany and Poland and all these, everyone had Death Watch. Yeah, did Sweden? They had Death Watch. Yeah. Yeah. I think, so, I think everyone had Death Watch except those two. Yes. So it's kind of a lot of people did take it. I think when the England decision to take it was, it was a big thing that we needed answers for potential GSC because they were fewer answers than possible in certain lists. I think what the point of the Death Watch was, was more that it was very good at getting draws. It wasn't necessarily trying to smash everything. It did give player skill a chance. So not nowhere near like Thousand Suns, but it was able to, like you say, you could exploit weaknesses. You could do tactical things. It was good at scoring. It was able to fend off certain lists. Uh, it had it was getting eight to nine points out of quite a lot of list. It was decent into Necrons, it was decent into Thousand Suns. You'd probably get small losses to Thousand Suns, but you could get your eight to nine points in certain matchups. Yeah. And if they make they, one they had, mistake. They had different role. They were yes. like an army that you could defend with. And that's something that we were talking before the event. I think thinking about Death Watch as an army to pin GSC was wrong idea because unless you had more okay, let me rephrase that. GSC was never a defender. That army yeah. doesn't need table choice. That army will always attack you or will be in the bottom four. So having answers for GSC was to some extent futile because it would not give you anything throughout because they will not defend with GSC usually. Obviously having some armies that will draw against GSC is quite useful because then when they defend with it, sure, then you put something like Necrons into it or other army that will get a draw against it or armies that just counter it whilst being better into other parts of the meta, which I think USA excelled at when they created their team cop. And that's how I think you shouldn't have brought Deathwatch as an army to counter GSC. I find it a good choice for the defend more defender role, but it didn't have good matchups. It had like a okay or a slightly bad, but not awful matchups. Yeah, so on that point, the reason we brought Deathwatch is because it was a put forward that didn't have GSC as a red. So what we were trying to avoid is if, if we have put forward armies that just have Eldar GSC as red, then it's not it's it's not a decent enough put forward for those yeah. earlier phases. So it was more of a case of it gave us a put forward that wasn't going to get destroyed by GSC. So yes, and... it gets destroyed by Eldar, but then on the flip side, if we wanted to put Thousand Suns forward, they don't get destroyed by Eldar but they struggle with GSC. So it was more like having put forwards that didn't have just two solid, awful matchups. Yeah. 
And I think we can see also in the data what we were just talking about. Death Watch had 42.6 win ratio throughout the event, but their average score was 9.5, which means they were quite often getting those 8-9 points, and, and they weren't those higher scoring armies. And I think that's it. Dark Angels had different views. I think the main difference when you compare Dark Angels and Death Watch was that Dark Angels wins, like Deathwing Knights alone, win against Custodies. Mm -hmm. And Deathwatch struggles against Custodies. And yeah. same as against Knights and Chaos Knights. So okay. it suddenly makes some of the matchups that Deathwatch was thinking about losing slightly into more favorable matchups. By also meaning, at the same time, it sacrificed a little bit of your matchup into GSC. So your GSC would drop in their performance, like GSC would get more points against Dark Angels, but at the same time, those Dark Angels were had a different role. And if you had other armies in your team that were meant to, in some case, play against GSC, that was fine. And I fully agree on what you said, that you needed to have defenders that were supposed to play into GSC, at least one of GSC or Eldar, because that's something that also Poland took as an idea with Necrons being usually our first defender, Gitto could play that army for a draw, and our Custodis player also played it enough against Myson to even 18-2 GSC once at the event. So there was a way to play it, and I think this was something that you needed to base on. For sure. So I think seeing how people actually needed to play Deathwatch, I think it was to some extent a slight liability in a sense that if you defend it with it, opponent could attack it with an army that wasn't the strongest one sure. to win against it. So you could put your Chaos Knights, you could put your T-Sons into them, or Tyranids if you had a good build like Taden, and just push it. So that's where I'm at thinking about the army. Yeah, and I think, I think that is the credit. I would be interesting to see if there were equal number of Dark Angels and Death Watch, what the percentage was for? Because obviously you're looking at Death Watch. There's what 115 games versus 21 games, so it's like yeah. what a fifth, um, vaguely a fifth. So yeah, and extrapolate it. That'd be interesting. You also need to make an argument that Dark Angels, same as Blood Angels, were brought by the higher your teams. Sure. So. The win rate was inflated, and even if the like Scotland ended up in the C two for next year, they still had Ines playing that army. So exactly. I think you can make an argument that the pile, average pilot for Dark Angels was way better than the average Deathwatch player, and especially better than Nassim. So <laughs> sure. Nassim got over seventy points. That's that's good for his head. <laughs> no. <laughs> um... He's in the chat. I just needed to be a little bit mean. <laughs> Going back, so third spot was Dark Angels. Fifth spot in terms of win ratio was Tyranids. And I mean, sorry, not win ratio, but average scores. Tyranids had win ratio of 52.4, but their average score was 11.17, which is quite high of a score. And I think it, seeing how many games of Tyranids were played, and by that I mean 42. I think the score of Sean Naden slightly inflated this one. 
with yeah. his insanely high scores. But at the same time, I think Tyranids were a sleeper counter into another counter into GSC mm-hmm. that people yeah. didn't see coming. And was also quite good into some other armies like say that much if you yes. build it properly. Yeah. So even though Nits if you get more than zero points against Eldar, you are a god, because I think that matchup is straight up awful. Yep. I think Nits were quite good. And what Fyodor just mentioned in the comments, that it's hard to stop spore mines from scoring. The top Nids list actually had maybe one or two biovores. They weren't playing that many biovores to get the spore mines to score with them. What they were playing was a pure killing your opponent usually, and it and it worked. Obviously, spore mines were useful blocking, and but I find they were more of a tech piece used to just block opponent advances, etc., rather than prior, rather than used only for the scoring part. Yeah, yeah. In Sean Naden's list, which his his list was a lot more prey orientated onto let's call them marine stat lines and or custode stat lines uh those type armies he plays very very well into those double tyrant effects are just they're basically two raid knights with fill no pain against some armies like gsc for example uh yeah those that list was very good at killing marine-esque things biovores are there predominantly for board control uh and imagine in naden's list he probably does a bit of cards with them because uh, he doesn't yeah. have any like little chaff, but say Brody's list, yeah, they're probably board control because Gaunt can go get the objective or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they are advancing anyway to go somewhere, so you might make them shoot and advance and shoot with a tyrant and still perform the action. Uh, so, yeah, Nits, I think we were sleeping on Nits as a team. They overperformed my expectations as a faction. I expected them to be slightly worse. I expected them to be where Death Watch is. I expected them to be an army that was meant to go for the draws, to fight, scrape for points, instead of being the army that goes for high wins. But I was wrong. And now after Nits, we have another army on the fifth spot. GSC, 11.14 points on average, 62.7% win ratio. So lower than the singles one, but not lower by a huge margin. Uh, What's your take on GSC this event? So I think they were much more manageable to deal with than Eldar. I think if you were looking at from the singles data that you had coming before the WTC, you had to look at two armies that were just leagues above the other, the rest. It then becomes you've got to remember that certain events play GSC differently. The WTC plays that if you have one use only weapons, you can't reuse them. Where, say, all the UK events play, you can reuse them as many times as you want. So that again affects the win percentages. That does affect matrices. Um, but yeah, actually. Now that they ended up on a 62% win rate, that's not bad considering still people tech decided to tech into them. And there was, we found there was a lot of armies and even whole teams like USA 
were able to tech into that specific matchup going, your elder's going to go smash something, and I know you want your GSE to go smash something as well, but we're not going to let you. So actually, your two powerhouse armies, only one of them's effective. Yeah. And if we can get something off your elder, then we win the round. Yeah, and to go a little bit further on what you mentioned about prying on GSC, I think USA was a great example how they created their whole pairing strategy to counter GSC. I was watching their them doing pairings twice, and what they've done essentially is their first defender was either Orcs or Deathwatch. So both of those armies smashed GSC. Their second defender sometimes was an army that like Custodies that could play GSC, but usually would take the other army and drop GSC lower in the pairings. And then we get into the last four spots. And obviously they had enough counters on the hand with their with their team comp, so GSC could never defend. So into the last pairings, they would defend with something that beats GSC and leave for a champion, so the army that is not going into the pairings, another army that beats GSC. Yeah. So the only way they could you could dodge your GSC being countered during the whole pairing process was to defend with them at the last four steps. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like at the step with the four armies remain. And that's not something that you can easily see during the pairings. No. Unless you saw it done before. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody actually did that so much in the end. Even the mighty Poland sort of fell into playing Naden's Yeah, they did. Yeah, which uh, is very good into GSC. So yeah, there is that. Uh, I think GSC overperformed what I expected them to perform. I don't have the data. What I would be really interested with is seeing the difference between seed one teams and the remaining teams with their GSC. Yes, yeah. That's something because I find that GSC with their latest change with you can only deploy from the blips within three becomes an army that requires a lot more skill to play than it used before. So that's where I would like to see how different the performance was between the best of the best and the rest yeah. of the players. And the very next army when it comes to scores was Necrons that had 10.66 average score and their win ratio was 53%. And for me, it's not really surprising. I found Necrons being very good. I think they're... Scores are a little bit inflated by some of the players scoring real high, but that army was very good at drawing on their board choice. And I think many teams went with that approach of the army. When we were talking about Aussie list, we thought that list was meant for draws. We've learned it very quickly that it was not. Nope, it is to surround uh, armies and stop you playing your game. Yeah. 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 You're not playing the game anymore. We're fighting that melee for the next five turns and you're scoring nothing. Yeah. So that's what they've done. And Necrons were quite good at Defender Army. I think that's how Poland played them. I know that is how um, a lot of the top teams played them. I think neither USA, Australia or England brought Necrons. 
Yeah, England didn't bring Necrons because so when I look at the win percentages, Necrons were by far the one that I was looking at afterwards, being like, that's the biggest mistake England didn't take them. Because I thought they would have more like a 40% win rate because I figured they're going to be predominantly defenders. They're going to get like the sevens, eight, and nines. But the, we kind of ruled them out a little bit because it's like sometimes you look at armies and go, that's really difficult to beat. And then sometimes you look at armies and go, yeah, it's really difficult to beat, but it doesn't beat much else. Like it doesn't have a positive matrix in some ways. Yeah. So you get to a problem where I think, say, last what year... We were talking or, about Death Watch earlier, right? Yes. So like, but at least with Death Watch had a couple of positive matchups, whereas we yeah. were kind of looking at Necrons being like, well, where are the like guaranteed positive matchups? It does have some, but it's a little bit more difficult. So then it became a case of, do you run the risk of, if you put it forward first, teams just put their two worst matrices against you? And then you kind of get, yeah, the Necrons might then get like 11. They might win that game, but they've not had to expend anything to play the Necrons. Like they're not going to put Eldar into them. They're not, they're not going to put, because the Eldar or GSC have better games to play. But the GSC Necron game was actually pretty common. That actually happened yeah. quite a few times. And um, that's something that also for those interested, I think that's where Necrons playing fixed secondaries was quite powerful because into GSC, you basically rush them, play Homer's Assassinate yeah. and say, I'm going to front score the shit out of this game. Yeah, You're going to have to kill me and dig yourself out of this. And I think a lot of the armies that we see here, you can say that they were playing a lot of the fixed missions, depending yes. what army they played. So that's what Naden was playing when he was playing against GSC, because playing Assassinate plus something against GSC is a very good way of blunting their score. Because if you have a way to kill the whole 20-man or 10-man, then we know that you are getting those 20 points from Assassinations usually. Yeah. And then you play Homers, you might score it three times, then you get 12 points. Sometimes if you have a good deployment, like the game of Mike Porter versus Deckers, you just push uh, homers into their deployment zone and behind enemy lines with like one model. And suddenly you point six points per turn from just one model standing in opponent's deployment zone and they cannot deal with it. So that's how I think in general you should play against GSC if you try to not lose by much. And you just need to push the board quite hard, so they do not have space. Yeah, and again, um, this is a this is a big difference between teams and singles. In singles, you feel like you have to go for it and try and get as many points as possible to try and win. Whereas here, you can go, yeah, but I can take GSC to nine points, or like see so the GSC get twelve points out of the game. Like, cool, I've done my job because I've taken yeah, assassinate and one of the board control things and then denied you enough primary that you're not smashing me by more than 15, 20 points. And I think that's what you can see for, with the data, with DSC being 62% win rate and only 11.14 points. That's how probably a lot of teams played it. Yeah, They tried to blunt GSC and I think it worked in general. Mm -hmm. So then the next army, Thousand Sons, they had 
10.04 average score, and their win ratio was 49.4. You want to talk about a little bit with how Vic well performed? You probably know a little bit more about TS than I do. Yeah, so the Thousand Suns, that's about where I guess you would think they'd be. They weren't overly inflated by too many crazy high scores, and they weren't dragged down by too many crazy low scores. I think they probably sat between the 20 and 100 point bracket better than most armies. We'll say like the Eldar lists, like if we're, if we're discounting the Blood Angels because it was only one player, the Eldar list, you, you look at the plus 100 pointers, like say for example, Manny got 116 points out of 140. He's the on average Eldar. Yeah. On average, Eldar got what, 107 points from the event? Yeah, Manny's the ninth highest scoring Eldar player with 116 points. Like, yeah, it's bad. Because uh, <laughs> they're like second highest scorer. I think of the top 10, there's six Eldar in there. But yeah, so Thousand Suns, they were so multi-useful in the team where you could use them as a put forward or you could prey on things and they were very good at getting that between 8 and 12 points against pretty much every matchup bar maybe GSC um, where you would normally favour GSC in that matchup uh, but you they should. have they have some things to at least like you say in that in that style of going for fixed yeah you've got a pretty decent chance of getting a decent number of points out of that game Um Especially yeah. if you played more rhinos, like that was idea with Pumba, for example. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what was interesting was some some Thousand Suns lists had obviously played the matchup enough to know that it can be Eldar. Uh Vic got to a point definitely where he felt he could beat Elder and he against Austria played the Eldar player who won the War Masters GT with Eldar and won 14-6. Vic was pretty confident that he gets like a, a blunt, it's like a 10-10, 10 to 13 points out of Eldar most of the time because he designed his list that way. And then not everybody was able to repeat those results. But overall, yeah, Thousand Suns were fantastic. Uh, Jonathan from the Belgium team, I think he scored over 100 points with them. Super, super good. He's a, a phenomenally good player. You mean Liam VSL? Liam, sorry, not Jonathan. Um, Liam, again, super aggressive player. Very, very good. And yeah, there were some players who were really getting the most out of it. And like we said a thousand times, you get player skill out a thousand times. I think this is the highest skill cup army in the game right now. Yes, for sure. Without much of a discussion, at least in my opinion. Let's go further without getting as deep into all some of the factions because we're what 45 minutes in and there's still plenty of questions. So let's try to speed it up a little bit. Then we have Adeptus Custodies with 9.97 average score and win ratio of 49.3%. I think it makes sense. Custodies were made to be a defender and I saw a lot of games them being put as a defender. And I think they could sometimes struggle as an attacker because if they didn't get the table choice, sometimes they could hide, they couldn't get their right, right angles. 
there were plenty of different lists of custodies, by the way, even though that codex has like seven entries. Yeah. I think what you played in those lists changed massively how you should estimate certain matchups. So I'm not surprised with their score. I think it's quite close to what I expected. I expected them to be very draw-wish as an army because they could draw basically everything in the game. And unless someone fed them very good matchups, they would usually play defensively against that draw. If somebody fed them matchup that they could just control A, their army, shift right-click onto opponent's deployment zone, then the game ended usually quite badly for the opposing yeah. army. But I don't think there's much more to talk about Custodies. No. Then there's Guard with their average score of 9.87 <laughs> and 49.3 win ratio, which I think both are massively inflated by Scar. Uh, if you yeah. exclude his seven wins, suddenly this drops by like five percentage points and the score average score drops as well. I think Guard was an army that needed very good pairings to work well. I think this is an army that will not play singles well at all. It will suffer a lot in singles. The armies, if you are trying to bring Scarx list to singles, you will just hate your guts because mm -hmm. that army is not meant to play Eldar for one. It will have problems into some other armies as well. It is if Necron player, if there is a competitive, competent Necron player, sometimes they will just win against you. So they all struggle. Sometimes they can get flooded and never get out of their deployment zone, which I think happened to Alex more than once when he was playing his guard. And I think whenever we would talk about Skark score, you need to have in mind that it's because he got really good pairings. Mm -hmm. And to yeah. some extent, his opponents didn't know how to play against such kind of an army. And turn as well. Get both. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so then we have Death Watch, which we already talked about. Then we have Black Templars, played by two players, which have average nine points and forty-nine point four win ratio. A little bit better than I expected. Even though I liked Olivier's list, I still expected this army to perform worse. I didn't think it had enough to perform well. Yeah, and to be fair, some of the games of Olivier, when you talk to him, we had him on our studio desk, some of his games, he was really unlucky. It was really interesting to hear what you were saying. Yeah, like the two of his games with Shadow of the Wolves, even against England, against Robbo, he's just like, okay, I've wrapped a lictor in the middle of the table with my 20-man unit, and there's a whole mid-army ready to shoot at me. Uh, I'll just take a shot of the wall. Failed. Ah, can't use that strat to stop you running away. Ah, okay, I get shot. <laughs> it's like, okay, that sucks. Yeah, um, I think the win rate's not too dissimilar to what I would think it would be. I, again, probably thought it would be around the 40% mark. I just felt they were not... Uh, in the pecking order... They were like third after Dark Angels, Death Watch, that kind of position. What yeah. so well should be now Blood Angels, I guess. Then um, we have Chaos Space Marines with 
Eight point. Oh, Ghost is so cute, by the way. He's laying down on the couch now and looking into the screen. No. <laughs> uh, Chaos Space Marines have 8.9 average score, win ratio of 39.6. Maybe you want to talk a little bit more about them because you guys brought them. Poland was quite adamant about not bringing them. Yeah, so this was one of those armies that on paper seemed a lot better. Uh, I thought the win rate would be positive. I thought they would be used as quite a good prey army, would get predominantly favorable matchups, which would spike the win rate more in their favor. But in the end, a less than 40% win rate, it's not good. It was one of those lists that it just didn't have the great scoring that it needed. It was sometimes not getting the wins out of the games it needed to. Uh, one thing that is interesting is when we were looking throughout the event, there was a few times where people were going, I'll put CSM into Eldar just to be like, at least it's got capabilities to kill things like Wraith Knights. I could win that game. But those games didn't really go their way. There was quite a lot of CSM Eldar matchups that we ended up seeing. Uh, they obviously didn't go well. But, but uh, I felt like most of them were just a throwaway. Like someone yeah. just has to take the bus. But at least they have, if they have 8 to 12 obliterators, at least you vaguely have something you can you could drop Wraith Knights with it. Like, it's not super easy, but at least you have... Some lists have, like, no chance of doing anything to Elder. At least yeah. you had some indirect. Um, yeah, that's why, for example, Polish Necrons had so many heavy destroyers. Yes. To threaten yeah. Wraith Knights. Yeah, I can see that. I think with us not bringing Chaos Space Marines, I also didn't feel very high on them before the event, so the score doesn't really surprise me. I thought they will struggle to get high scores. And if they will get bad matchups, they will get really bad matchups. Yes. So their average doesn't surprise me as much because them not being that good at mission scoring meant that they needed to play for to kill opponents. And usually they were the army that didn't have access to demons. So they didn't have the additional benefit of getting the good chaff and loan operatives for the army. Then we have orcs with an average score of 8.65 and win ratio of 38.9. Mm. This is interesting because looking at this data alone, I think this is another army that I would really like to see the difference between seed ones and the remaining seeds. Yes. Yeah. Because I think the better orc players manage to get way better scores with the army. And how I saw this army, if you were playing the USA list that also Canada brought, that army was meant to counter GSC and flood the board and sometimes even against Eldar, just push them until they die. But at, at least you will deny enough primary and do enough secondaries that you will still get some points out of that matchup. So, yeah, I think that army was very interesting. I would really happily play it myself, to be honest. That army yeah. sounds like a lot of fun. I think the most fun out of many armies that I saw at the event, maybe except the GK. I love the GK. That's enough wacky yeah. shit that doesn't work at singles that I would love to play. Yeah. Uh, then, then we have regular 
Space Marines at 8.43 and 36.7% win ratio. I don't know who brought regular Space Marines. I saw some Ultramarines and stuff at the event. Yeah. I don't think those were quite competitive. Yeah, I, I didn't even realize that there were that many. Looking at what, over 70 games. Um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize there were that many like actual Same. standard Marine factions. I thought it was predominantly Death Watch. Um, Same. Yeah, that, that kind of win percentage doesn't, it's not crazy bad considering mm. you basically took Marines with less of the added buffs than yeah, some of the exactly. other versions. Then we have Grey Knights represented by two players getting average score of 8.29 and 50% win ratio. This one, I can actually figure out what was Jack's score. Yeah. And I'll and I'll do it. Uh, so, so imagine most of those wins are Jack's. Yeah. yeah. Or I could find it if I weren't that good. Uh, I'm not great at Excel. Anyway, I think most of these wins probably would be Jack's. So Army, I think, performed better than expected. Although when we saw the list, we already knew how it will play and that it will be quite good as a blunt into certain armies, just as a way of blocking from them from scoring high. And I think this score represents that quite well. And then we have something that we were quite adamant about before the event. And at the event, I even had a longer conversation with Will Milton from Australia. And that's Imperial Knights, which I think had like what third or fifth biggest representation of the event. And they had average score of 7.44 and win rate of 37.2, being six sixth worst army at the event. Yeah, we missed Chaos Knights actually. But yeah, Imperial Knights, I feel oh, yeah. I feel somewhat justified by our comments being it's in that very weird position where you can't really pray, but you can't really put forward, and yeah, it just didn't really... I've... And also when you include the terrain pack, I think that singles scores of Imperial Knights do not translate in the slightest for teams if you can slightly tailor your list against them and you know how to play against them, they will struggle, and that was proven by the scores that we see here in the aggregate. Yeah, like then prime we, example, sorry, Naz, yeah. Naz using Death Watch, 16 Ford on stream, uh, Imperial Knights, because literally picked the heaviest table. And that's not a matchup you'd ever think Death, Death Watch wins, but purely based on terrain, he can't get out of this deployment. It's that simple. Yeah, yeah then we missed Chaos Knights, which had better score than their Loyalist Brethren. They had 8.06 average score and win ratio of 38.2. I think the army was very interesting. This was one of the ones that surprised me the most. I think it had real good niche in the pairings, actually. When I saw them being paired, they seemed quite good into Death Watch. They seemed really good into GSC. And they could play against some other armies like Nits. You just have enough Maltas to scare off the big boys that they do not really want to play it. Uh, and it takes on Chaos Knights? Yeah, so I'd imagine this score is propped up a bit by Matt and the German player, because they both scored pretty well. 
Um, I thought they would actually have a slightly better win rate because if you can engineer the right matchups, they would actually do quite well in those games. But then again, we did see every so often throughout the event, oh, they've just been thrown under the bus versus some factions. This is literally the definition of a stat check as an army. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to see that some people did do well with them. Uh, they have much more of a place in teams than they probably do in singles. Yeah. Then we have Demons, average score 7.09 and 29.4 win ratio. Although they have not many games, they were present in most teams in either TS lists, CSM lists, some Chaos Knights lists. Demons scoring quite low, even though yeah. few top teams brought them. I think Germany had big boy lists, Spain had big boy lists, Sweden had big boy lists, and all three of those teams ended up in top 10. And even then, those three armies are what? One third of the games of the of the faction? Mm. And still the score is quite low. So maybe just playing demons was not the correct choice. Yeah. We, we thought before the event, oh, we like demons, but we don't quite know what they're necessarily doing in the teams. I think they maybe were slightly more put forwardy because you can just sit off and go, well, you can't necessarily shoot them. I could sit on two objectives pretty well. Mm, if you want to run around. towards me. Yeah. But yeah, they just they just really struggled. Like every time we played three teams, I think, that had demons, and each time it was like this is not scary in our pairings to play against. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. We had the same feeling, except the mission that they were really good, which was third mission of the event, kill more. Which uh, the Spanish, they, I, yeah. yeah, the Spanish demon player thought he beat should beat Manny thirteen seven. Okay, that, uh, that that's a take. That was an interesting uh, choice. Yeah. Then we have Tau, which Poland brought, and it was clearly a mistake from data alone. Tau with 5.57 average score and 16.7 win ratio. So Tau won, Tau won three games overall. And how many of those are Polish? I think two. Two. And then Scotland got one, maybe? Yeah. yeah. So that army uh, was underperforming. The average score being 5.57 our Tau got average score of like 8.3, I think. Okay. So I think the army just didn't perform in hands of lesser players. We see we see Vic in the chat who got to play against Polish Tau. I think that army was... I will say what I still think about the army. I think that army is good. It is so extremely hard to play though that the data here might be still against it and show that the army was bad. But I think with enough play into many matchups, you can get them to win. But it will be always a very uphill battle. I think you could say the same about like Admech somewhere in the after, in the mid of ninth. That army had potential, but it was really hard to play. And I think that army, even though it's fourth worst at the event data wise 
I don't think this represents them well enough. So yeah, we this might also have a have me. a have a mistake in our data. By the way, I just realized that we might have more wins because Dino got one win as well. Florence is saying so. Yeah. They might have been more wins. I think the army is difficult to play. I think unless you are an extremely good player, you will not get good scores with it. And that army has maybe like five data sheets that work. Yeah. yeah. So unless you're playing those five data sheets in a correct combination, that army will sack. So do not play it as singles, please. You will suffer. Yeah. And then we have three armies. Yeah. Then we have three armies that. I don't think they should have ever happened at the event. That's Admech, Drukari, and Adeptas Sororitas. All three of those armies getting less than five average score, with Adeptas Sororitas getting 0 0.86, which I think in seven rounds means they got seven points total and 0% win ratio. I don't think those armies belong at the event. They shouldn't be played. Right now, anyway. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Uh, we'll make sure that Nathan gets a good microphone, and not only he will be a great contrast, but also a great person to listen to. But stay tuned for that. Thanks for the five pounds, uh, Brian. You yeah, let me down. We... I'm sick of you, Brian. If Josh had just got some points off uh, Scott because you were my tip to get the most points for the event, and he let me down. Disappointed, Brian. Yeah, Brian being disappointed is something that he has to live with. Uh, okay, so at this point, I think we can get to questions we've got throughout the chats or anything that you guys might ask in the chat after we went through the questions on our Discord. So the, Ines is asking, what were some standout lists from before WTC that you guys had your eye on and how did they perform? Maybe, Nathan, did you have one army that you just looked at and followed it throughout the event? So I think the most obvious one, and we touched on it a little bit earlier, was the French Black Templars list. Because I, I'll be honest, when we did the, the army review, we kind of looked at it and I didn't really know anything about it. You explained, Typhus explained it all to me. And I was like, oh, actually, this is pretty good. Actually, they, uh, I like the ability of this big unit just being able to just rough up anything it gets into combat with. Um, in the end, it seemed to struggle at places. For me personally, I'm always a bit of a faction-specific guy. I was very interested to see how, in general, all the Chaos Knights armies did. And then when I started seeing Matt from Team Australia win so many games with that list, get over 100 points with it. I was like, that's very cool. Because I think... Um, yeah, we're yeah. both Chaos Knight boys. Yeah, yeah. They're just <laughs> For me, when it comes to armies, the one that I was most curious about was Brody's list, the Horde Nits, mm. that underperformed a little bit. I think he got overall 73 points, and I saw some of the games just went very much not his way, but I think that was expected with the army. I think he lost like 19-1 against Alexander Sacco, so the guy, Salicia, who won last year's LGD. And I saw some other games. I think that army 
might not have been the correct choice. I think it might have had two polarizing estimations or like the matrix of that army might not have been as good as some as they initially expected seeing the games go through. So that one I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted this addition to have at least one proper horde that would be playable, but I don't think we'll see it. Nah, not the case. Uh, I guess if we're looking at like surprises, Naden's list, obviously getting over yeah. 100 points from a list that... No, I had no idea how it works. <laughs> yeah, I think he was like just below 100 because he got 20 old by Eldari in two turns at the end. But I mean, uh, so there's Aiden asking a question. I don't know how often fixed secondaries were taken, but were lists built to take fixed any better at predicting their scores? So I'll start on this one. I don't think really they were because usually your opponent was still playing tactical. So you still had that element of randomness. And throughout, I was running so much around the venue. I can tell you one thing, players cannot estimate for shit. Even when they have their score sheets and they know their scores from throughout those three turns, I would go to a coach. Players know that this state of the game is solved. We would ask them, how is it going, etc. And players would give them estimation that would be completely wrong three times. I remember... I think it was Germany against a team that I cannot remember now, maybe Belgium or something like that. One of their players who I think was playing fixed that round, he was saying that he's getting around the draw. They needed eight points. At one point, he was saying he's getting eight points, and then he won 16-4. I think okay. it didn't really come down to playing fixed or tactical. It was about players being good at estimating how the game is going. And I think this is a completely different skill that not necessarily everyone has. It requires you to have a lot of reps with your army and know how the game states will unsolve throughout the game. And I think that was what I heard very high praise of Vic in your team, that yes. he was nearly always on point or like two points away from his estimations, Yeah, that uh, which has... It's process cons because he didn't bring way higher points than he estimated, but he was that anchor within your team. So I do not think that playing fixed and you do not really can play fixed. Your opponent needs to give a give away one secondary to play reliably fixed because if they are giving away like bring it down, assassinate, then you can play homers and that just plays well because you are still pushing into the middle. You will you are still playing with most arms expendable chaff that can do homers in the middle, sometimes in the opponent deployment zone, so that just makes sense. Uh, I think fixed was a way of playing into matchups that were unfavorable. You were playing fixed if you knew that you needed to scrap as many points as you can. Any other takes, Nathan? Yeah, fixed was always a case of it's better in teams, like you just said. It allows you to get points. And yeah, unless your opponent gives away them, obviously, like Chaos Knights, we bring it down or whatever. Yeah, they're normally not the choice. You would you would hate to go back to your captain and say, oh, I took fixed objectives and of the combined 40, I only came, in, came away with 18. When, to be honest, cards would put in... If you get half-decent cards, you'll get 20, usually. Yeah. 
to 30 if, you, if your army, like most of the armies at the event, were good at dealing with cards. You had to design your list to play cards, realistically. Yeah, but it came naturally because you still want the chaff that would mm. push the objectives first, engage into trading, force opponent to overextend, etc., etc. Yeah. The next question we have, again, from Ines. Which list, player, or team did you wish you got to see on stream? Nathan? Uh, the GK for USA, but I know they wanted the to keep that off stream. Uh, I mean, that one was once on stream against Matt, right? Matt Robertson played against Harpster on stream oh, he did. in round oh, he six. Did. Yes. Uh, actually, yeah. Yeah, he did. Um, oh, I guess maybe not like... Uh, no, no, because the result was 20-0. So maybe that's pointless. It's, I think if you can... One thing that would be nice for maybe... WC is when you get to know the people who've been there for a long time, get seeing the like big WTC names on stream would be nice as well. Rather than say like just say like the the wider right. What I'm trying to say is like say like a Josh versus Skark. I know it ended up being like a twenty nil, but Josh versus Skark would have been a fun game to see on stream. Because it's two people who between them have 26 ETCs. That I think would be good to be like, these are ETC veterans rather than say, like, these are streamers that you see all the time in yeah. different places. Um, but specific factions, I think we saw most of them on stream. France had. Yeah. There's one player that I would have loved to see on stream, and I'm heavily biased. That's Gitto. If he would get a very bad matchup. I think he would be a very good person to then reward for other people if he would be very precise with his army playing those bad matchups like him against Mike Porter, him against Eldar earlier at the event, etc. I think he had plenty of games that would have been worthy watching for the newer players to actually learn from how to play the game because he's very good at being very explicit with what he does, saying, declaring intent in a way that you could actually watch his game and learn from it. That's mine. Uh, what were our favorite lists? I think we covered this already. Uh, how bad are Tau really and why are Guard a dark horse? Uh, I think Tau are quite bad. They were an army that could counter a few armies, like Custodies mm -hmm. and Necrons, but they had very limited usage. They could play into many armies. That's something you need to play well. That's something that we already mentioned earlier. I will not get much more in-depth about it, but why are Guard Dark Horse native? So, yeah, we did hear from certain teams that they felt, why, why are teams taking Guard? Like, the testing that they'd maybe done with Guard wasn't showing great results, whereas you see some Guard players doing very well with the list. Obviously, Skark ran away with most points. Uh, if you can get Guard... Guard do kind of two things. The biggest thing they we felt they did was pairings. They look super scary against anything that isn't basically big monster, big tank heavy. So anything that is infantry block heavy, Custodes, Necrons, Death Watch, Thousand Suns, 
those type factions, you pretty much have a favorable matchup. Things can go wrong. Turn sometimes is important. Uh, say for you can example, just yellow it like the Rotor against Horizon. Yeah, he just went. I'm literally going to set up on the line, and it's not like how do I put this? It's not clever. I'm going to set up on the line. It's literally I'm going to put my entire army in the open, not in cover, at, just because I know if I go second, I lose so badly. But if I go first with literally Magnus and Terminators on the front line, I can smash this game. And that is what ended up happening. But yeah, it has favorable matchups into those types of games, which basically every team took. It's it's the ability to slow people down. The, the um, Skark's list was obviously the one that you looked at and went, okay, well, most people have got the right idea. He perfected the army. He didn't go as sentinel heavy. He went for loads more little things to push out. Hellhounds were a great addition to his army. He took one attaché, so it's enough to be able to play GSC without stopping them being like, oh, that, that list is designed to play GSC, there's no point playing it, and then GSC go play somewhere else. Was he knew that matchup well enough to be like, oh, it's he got 12 and 20. So I think, yeah, Guard, right hands, with enough time to prep, enough times to play it with the correct list. One of the best lists. It was really useful in pairings overall. Yes, it's so uh, good in pairings. Another question we've got. Do you think the interest WTC has created will see more countries getting teams leagues up and running? I think it depends on the country. because I would say that most countries already have them. It's just the main two ones that you see on the media, which is England and US, they do not. If you look yes. at most European countries, they play a lot of team events. Aussies play a lot of team events. Maybe smaller countries do not have access to that. So it's a little bit of a couple of things. When it, if we're talking about specifically England, we play on a lot of different terrain types which is a big factor for quite a bit. And what we found in the past is TOs who run team events in the UK don't sell as many tickets and they struggle because teams start dropping out and it becomes a whole nightmare. But that is improving. We've got ITT. Uh, the, the, the events Zach is running are getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year to the point where I think we have a 50-team event uh, I think year. ITT was 63. I think Birmingham yeah, expect, is yeah. aiming at 100-something teams next year. So Yeah, the aim is 100 teams of five. So that's 500 players. That's basically WTC number of players. Um, Twice. Twice the number of players. Yeah, WTC had 284 plus with staff, maybe 500 people. Yeah, it's basically everybody that was the WTC but played. Um, yeah. So yeah, Zach's obviously trying to build that in the UK. I don't know where America is with it. I know their their meta and player bases are so spread out. I'd imagine it, other than having this a couple of really big ones like ATC every year, I don't know how often they're able to do massive team events. Uh, but hopefully it does improve because look, we're biased as hell, but 
team events are so much better than singles. They just are. Yeah. They they bring so many more gaming abilities and armies in. I think anyone who played teams or WTC this year will not play singles anymore, basically. A little bit, yeah. Because they've learned. Uh, so I'll start skipping a little bit of questions because there's many of them. Uh, so with WTC results in mind, which do you think were the most successful early defender lists? For me, that's Necrons. Necrons. Yeah. yeah, it's Necrons. Necrons. Um, <laughs> Thousand Suns, maybe half decent second. Um, yeah. But you could use them any way you wanted. Yeah, it's Necrons. Deathwatch. You could use Deathwatch. They were pretty good. Yeah. Um, orcs. But I would say Necrons were the best. Yeah. yeah orcs Necrons. were good because they weren't solved. I yeah. think. If yeah. people knew how to play them, they wouldn't be as good as of a first defender, in my opinion. I guess statistically, Grey Knight's not bad. Jack was put forward a lot. Yeah, but he. He was usually just used as a blunt into armies that they had no answers to. Yeah, yeah, but it's Necrons. Yeah, they understand. <laughs> uh, so, how did Team England review their performance this year? Uh, okay, that's uh, and Dino is saying not throwing shade, purely interested as a Nas and Vic fan. <laughs> yeah. So, obviously, I'll try and do the short version. Every year that you go, if you're not podiuming or winning, well, sorry, if you're not winning, what you're trying to do is improve. Uh, from last year, they were kind of 10th place, one came fifth. I think this year, England were in a much better position where they were in fourth place, playing, playing for potential first or second, most likely would have been second. Uh, which is a good place for England to be in. At least they are playing podiums. But when you're in that matchup and you lose it, you never podium. So it's actually more advantageous to scuba into third place, usually for actual podiums. Or the submarine, right? Yes, yeah. But I think that's normally more. Germany did it last year. They lost to you guys pretty badly. Then they just kind of up and up and up until they got into third. Um, yeah, I think... England didn't deserve to win if they had win, had won. Poland with a far better team, outpaired them in some ways and outplayed them. I don't think it's always going to be a case with Team England. Everybody takes accountability. You figure out the problems, you move on, you get better. Uh, usually England's much better when they have a bit more of a meta underneath them. The first time they go to new additions, they never win it, but towards the end of editions, so towards the end of eighth, England won it. Towards the end of fifth, England won it. So yeah, it's yeah. There is also interesting statistic. Every new edition, Poland came. I think they came first three times, second twice. So when it comes to new edition, Poland usually was one of the better teams because yeah. of just figuring out the meta, just historically wise. Um, Okay. Uh, question about GSC. We already talked about GSC quite a lot about them being solved and maybe something else should have been taken. I think GSC were still completely correct choice for the team. I would have never dropped them. There were nowhere near good armies to replace them with. And I think GSC were just good. Uh, 
what are some good and bad matchups for Necrons to Leech Guards, Thousand Sons MSU, and Custody's Bricks? Crons, uh, I think their worst matchup and, uh, is just Custody's. They yeah. have nothing to deal with Custody's. Other than that, if you build your list well enough, I suggest looking at Gita's list. You can play them as first defender, although that army requires you knowing what you do very well. So it's not as easy of a first defender because it requires a lot of micromanagement and knowing how you can string out units to remove models, to lose coherency, to then remove more models, to shoot into something and all those interactions that are very not much so not obvious. Then you have Thousand Sons. What are some bad matchups? Yeah, for so sons? basically if we're just like kind of avoiding Elder, some kind of bad matchups. Um, GSC is the kind of more obvious one. Certain games, custodes can be volatile if they are more warden heavy and they get first turn and they really push. Uh, we kind of found mids had issues for Thousand Suns sometimes if they had a good mix of monsters and a good mix of gargoyles and like fast scoring. You were having to divert resources to try and deal with gaunts to take the objectives back, but then you weren't killing the monsters while the monsters were slowly eating your stuff to death. Um, and then, like, Magnus isn't minus one damage versus Zonethropes, but obviously get the Shadow Pain and Hazardous. Uh, yeah, Thousand Suns pretty much were on the draw mark with most things. So it's it's more if games go badly than necessarily having bad matchups, in my personal opinion. They are also very high skill cap army, so whatever we yeah. say, you need to also filter through the skill level of a given player. And I would also add, not going into Custodies, because I think Custodies as a defender had mostly good matchups, yeah. or at least drawish matchups, except guard, please, for the sake of God, do not play guard with them. I think what you can do, if you are interested about all of it, there's a meta dashboard on the StatCheck website. You can see all of this information, how the armies perform against one another. And that should be more information for you rather than the WTC, because I think WTC sometimes is very skewed. When it comes to the data, you cannot analyze it purely from statistical point of view. You always need to look at it in a context. Uh, OK. Mm. Which WTC list do you think are the top breakout list from the event that will translate sing to singles and the wider competitive scenes? And which list on the flip side will flop when they when they are brought to ev single events? We mentioned Guard as being army that will just suffer on singles. What yeah. for you is like an army that will emerge as a better army compared to the data we have now? Uh, you could argue orcs. Um, I think any time the meta is going to evolve, but as the meta stands right now, it's Eldar dominant. But it's a little bit say like Thousand Suns can be Eldar if you play really, really well. But then obviously there's still too much GSC on the scene for really to justify Thousand Suns winning events. They might go and beat the Eldar, but then they'll lose the GSC. Again, with the orcs, orcs can beat the GSC but they're probably not really beating the Eldar most of the time. So I don't... 
my short answer was would be I don't think there's any lists that are really transferring from yeah. this I think the, the singles game state is so awful yeah that you cannot really transfer anything hopefully it will be fixed there's the all the data to back it up yesterday guys made the live about it and talked about it more in depth I hope they fix it. I think WTC was special because it was eight-man teams. If it was five-man teams, the meta would still be bad. I, that's something that also on Contact Lost, there, you were there on the debrief. You guys talked about it, that eight-man is like a sweet spot that teams will have different choices, whereas if you were playing bigger teams, you would end up with every team taking the same armies, which I agree with. And if you go into smaller teams, suddenly you the meta is more soft, so and you usually have like one flex point within your team comp. Yeah. So I'm curious how to how the numerous coaches worked for Poland. That one was, by the way, covered on the Art of War Down Under episode with Pumba and Myson. If some of you are interested into how the Poland thought about it, pairings and their general thoughts and approach to different rounds listen to that one with adam camilleri who was by the way was a very nice person to work with at the event as well it was lovely to be there with them i don't think we covered it much but being on the studio was a great way of making us enjoy the hobby more to some extent 100%. i yeah. i just loved it i just loved it Although emotions sometimes took the better of me, yeah. um, we're still players at heart. But yeah, it's still a yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's you have that moment like, I, I wish I could be there. I wish I could be one of them at this point. But yeah. I wish because I know something they do not. But I will not tell them because we swore to each other to not talk yeah. about cer certain stuff. Yeah, uh, I don't see any more questions in the chat unless someone asks within next few minutes. What we are trying to do with this series is there will be plenty of team events coming over. We, I already had a conversation with some of the organizers in Europe. It seems that we have one team event happening since October forward a month. So how I'm planning doing this series is that when we have one event conclude, because sometimes me or Nathan would be in one of the teams, we can, after the event, talk about the armies, the lists, how the pairings went, what, and dissect how it all worked, maybe dissect one team composition, something that we've done with the episodes before the WTC. And other than that, on the other weeks, we can delve deeper into certain topics. So having that in mind, if you are listening on some podcast platform, or you're watching live, if you will know about any specific team event that you might want us to cover, we might use that to dive, dive deep into that event and learn what was being played and just dissect it ourselves. If you have any specific questions that you want us to cover, we were, I was a captain, Nathan was a coach before, we were both players in the teams, I was a referee, we were doing media, we kind of been through the thick and thin of it. Yeah. So we should know most of the stuff that you might be interested in. So if you have any topics that you want us to cover, please tell us so. 
this should be a moment for a very scuffed sellout moment. If you guys are liking what we're doing, look into our Patreon, get into our Discord, then you can see and ask the questions there, not only on lives. Uh, anything to add, Nathan? No, I think going forward, this will be really, really good to shine a bit more light on the team's meta. It's very easy to go, uh, well, the top three at this singles event was this, this, and this, but actually going into more in-depth on teams will be, I think, fantastic. And I think people will love that content. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, stay and we'll be trying to grab guests if you have people that you know that are invested in teams meta that you want to include and hear from also suggest them we will try to grab interviews etc to dissect and see how others think especially when it comes to completely wildly different metas because we were joking before with nathan that poland and england kind of gets to similar metas but then you get to see like spain with blood angels or France with Black Templars. Yeah. And I know for a fact that there are some very interesting events like French qualifications for their national team, which is 8v8 event. And those would be very interesting to get into throughout the year to, just to see how the eight-man meta develops because WTC is not the only moment you see eight-man meta in-game. There's going to be plenty more team events happening next year and this year already with eight players, which I'm super happy because I think eight men teams are that sweet spot that you also talked about later yes yeah like especially in the uk i know there are at least three events before team events before the end of the year so hopefully we'll be able to cover some of those as well that'd be fantastic um for till next wtc i already have in plans like 10 team events and none nice. no of zero of the single ones so yeah on that note thank you for listening thanks nathan for coming in and thanks for being another great addition to the stat check crew uh, <laughs> we'll have many more shows to talk about so thanks guys for listening and see you in the next one for more shows like this check out the goonhammer media network more info at media.goonhammer.com Thank you.